Thanks for listening to the River Claremont podcast. We pray you are encouraged by today's message. For more information or to stay connected with what's happening at the river, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the River Claremont. You know, I was thinking this morning, uh, it, it's a crazy story, you know, how I wound up in ministry. I um, obviously was not raised, well, I shouldn't say obviously, maybe people think I was raised in church. I was raised in church and groomed for this from the time I was one year old. Actually, at my birth, angels gathered around and sang, this is the Lord's anointed one. It was, it was pretty special. You had to be there. <laughs> I didn't grow up in church as many people did, so uh, I, uh, when I got saved, I just went full-blown. I mean, the church that I got invited to was called Revival Church. And um, I'm pretty sure that they just stole a revival sign and taped it on the side of the building. Because it actually didn't even say church, it just said revival. Remember that? that like, so it was like small, this huge building and this taped up sign revival. And it's like, that's where we're going. And um, so, I mean, I just remember the first time I went in there, the glory of the Lord was in the place. Uh, I remember a friend of ours, Mike Shera, he was the greeter that day. And he just looked at me and he was like, brother, welcome to church. And there was such a light in his eyes and a joy in his voice and I said I under my breath because I didn't want him to hear me I was like man whatever these people have I want to get it and I felt like a weight lift off of my shoulders just walking into church you know and honestly up until that point I I knew enough about the Lord to knew that I'm supposed to live right but I didn't know about his presence I didn't know about uh, the anointing I didn't know about the Holy Spirit filling you I knew none, none of that stuff and so when that lifted off of me, it was really just the Lord awakening me to the fact, because I thought if I went to church, lightning might strike because I wasn't living right. But how many people know the Lord's more likely to strike someone <laughs> that, that, that mocks the Lord and, 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 and takes a stance against them, not somebody that is just ignorant about what, what the Lord wants in their life. So it changed my world. You know, I, I was a tough little kid, you know, a 19-year-old boy from Tennessee, um, prided myself on being tough you know didn't cry didn't didn't show emotion to people and stuff like that total total redneck really is what I was for those of you that know what that is like our highest loftiest goal was a four-wheel drive pickup truck and some hunting dogs you know it's like if you got that you are you you set in life you know little plot of land get you a little fishing boat man get out there catch them bass get her done man so, Tennesseans have this saying, you know what I mean? And it's like every time they say something, they're like, you know what I mean? You know what I mean, man? You know what I mean? And you're like, bro, no, I don't know what you mean. Like, could you slow down? What do you, what do you mean? What do you, you know what I mean, man? You know, you know what I mean. And it's just really on how they say it, whether or not it's like a question or an exclamation. Or just the way they end every sentence, you know? Going to a store, you know what I mean? I, I know what you mean, man. But when you're in the world, you actually think it's real communication. You're like, man, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Anyways. <laughs> I had no goal for ministry. I didn't have skill sets that I thought about ministry. Honestly, ministry was not even something I really thought about. And when I, when I found out people were going to Bible college, it was like, 
I actually was like, there's a school where you go to study the Bible. I didn't know those things existed. And obviously they exist and they should exist because if you're going to do something for the Lord in ministry, you should train yourself. Come on, who wants to go to a doctor that got his doctorate in a Cracker Jack box? You know, hey man, I read an article online. I got you, bro. Come here. I'll cut that thing off. No. No, I would like a trained physician. Someone that actually took time to study what they're standing to say they know, you know. And so if you, if you feel the call of God for ministry, you should, you should apply yourself towards that. Study and show yourself approved. Don't just expect the Lord just to just send you out there supernaturally and, and, and you have no basis and you didn't put any development in it. And I understand um, that God can speak to you and you can have that relationship, but develop it. But anyways, long story short, uh, my wife and I were living in Colorado, and I had felt the call of God in the ministry. I had written it in my phone. We're called into ministry. But my wife didn't feel yet to go into ministry. Uh, she was raised in ministry, and so we're w- kind of waiting in that waiting season. I call it the wilderness moment right before the launch, you know. And um, she called me one day and was crying. We got to go. We got to go. And I was like, yes, we got to go. But right before that, I remember I put on Facebook um, this, w- this exact quote. I said, sometimes... I just feel like throwing my hands up and going into the full-time ministry. And um, I remember I thought people, you know, encouraged me like, yeah, brother, you know, I know what you mean. You know, keep on keeping on. The Lord will lead you through the sweet by and by, something like that. But Charlie here commented, he said, is there any other way? And I was like, you dog, you know, you're already out there doing it. Shut up. I don't want to hear from you right now. But then my wife called and like, we launched. And so when we launched... We had no premise to, to know what we were going to do. And um, it's not like I was a second generation preacher. I didn't even have like, a, I didn't have like a momentum of like a blog or something like that. I was a no name preacher, didn't have a ministry name. So I came up with Revival Fire. I thought, man, you know, we're just going to go for that, you know. And my wife was like, it should have been the Sweet Lamb organization. <laughs> tiptoeing through the tulips with Jesus. <laughs> she didn't say that. She just said, you, you could have consulted me on the name too. I was like, babe, I already created the Facebook page. It's official. There's two likes. What? <laughs> and uh, I actually kind of felt like a liar because I had to call people Say, man, I'm a man of God. I'm going to bring revival to your church. It's going to be, it's, you're going to see explosion. You're going, to, you're, going to, you're going to want me back every year. And, well, and they book me. And I'd get off the phone and be like, wow. How did that happen? You know, they have no proof that I'm anything that I just said. You just had to sell yourself on the phone. Kind of felt like a little bit like a, anyways. <laughs> I remember when we went into the ministry, you know, I'll just say this. Any church that agrees to have you based upon a phone call is so desperate to grow their church that they just let anybody in the doors. And you find that out real quick when you show up and there's three, four, five people and you're like, oh, praise God, got a week of this. (laughs) First time I ever preached was in Pratt, Kansas. You ever heard of it? Of course you haven't. The people that live there haven't even heard of it. They don't even know where they're at. They call it purgatory. 
but the sign says Pratt. <laughs> I walk into this church, five people are there, and one I had done, seven, seven, okay, babe, seven. She's, she's a stickler for the details. And uh, seven people were there. And uh, I had my first sermon uh, drafted, written out, paragraph. And uh, so I read it. It was really bad, you know. You're not supposed to read a book in your sermon. But I didn't know how to prepare for a sermon. So I was like, everybody just, <clears throat> Jesus is going to touch you tonight. Lift your hands and get ready to, I think it's supposed to say receive. Get, get ready to receive. The mic was feeding back and nobody fixed it. So I had to, in the middle of preaching, walk back to the soundboard myself and re-EQ my microphone as I continue to preach the word. You know, Lord's just going to touch you tonight. Get ready to receive tonight. And boy, if the Lord speaks you to do anything to help in the service, I would do that right now. <laughs> it's like, obviously I was called. At that point, everybody knew. There's a great anointing on this young man. Just look at how the Lord started with him. It's amazing. And um, so we, we grew that, that meeting, though, from five people to, uh, what was it, 40 people. At the end of the week, 40 people. We felt like we were the biggest ministry on the earth. Five to 40? That's multiplication. You know? And I remember one person got so mad at me. And you're gonna, maybe you'll get mad at me now too because I said the word crap when I preached. And I didn't think about it. I just, where I grew up, that was common. And so I said it, you know, a bunch of religious crap. And this guy got so mad. And he tried to get this whole posse against me, but he didn't win. You know, we, we continue to grow and press through. Amen. Sometimes you got to get that junk out of there. Amen. But I remember preaching. I read my whole sermon, and it was like only about 12 minutes long. And so then I looked up, and people are blinking like, what's next? And this terror hit me. I'm talking fear. I'm like, God, what am I supposed to do now? Everybody's looking at me like, I done read my sermon. I thought it was pretty good. There was three points in the midst of that somewhere. And it, I don't think they got the points. Maybe I'll read it a second time. Let's start again. Page one. Lift your hands and get ready to receive. So this is a true story. What I wound up doing was I just started preaching. And I want to encourage you something in the midst of this revival. What you don't realize is how much God has already put on the inside of you. And not just in this revival, but even just serving the Lord many years of your life. And especially the river members that come here regularly. Uh, God puts things on the inside of you. And that's what I meant by you got to have an outlet to let the Lord pull those things out. There's, there's so much that God has put inside of you that this world is in desperate need of. And if you don't step out there and allow the Lord to begin to pour that out and, and get that river flowing, then you're going to miss out on so much of what heaven has in store for your life. Amen. You're called to live a supernatural life. Do you believe it? Shout amen. And so I preached so long. Because I didn't know how to end the service. It's a true story. I did not, I had no clue. How do you end a service? And these are the things no one teaches you in Bible school. Like here's a good poem to end the service with. 
So I'm just preaching. I preach for like two and a half hours. Five people in the room. And I'm like, tell you, I went from Genesis to Revelation, you know. I'm talking from salvation to baptism to tongues to the gifts of the Spirit to the fire of God to water baptism to, I go through the, I'm like, like unloading three years of Bible school on them. And they're like, <laughs> gulping real hard. And I'm just going for it. And I'm watching the, there was no praise and worship, so it didn't even matter, you know. Two and a half hours, we started at 6, it's only 8.30, you know, and then I grew up in a ministry that went till 1 a.m., so I'm like thinking, I got to keep going. <laughs> I'm preaching, preaching, preaching. Finally, I'm like, God, help me. <laughs> How do I shut this thing down? How do I take this plane in for a landing? I think they've had enough tonight. And the Lord's like, you just, you just call those that are hungry for a touch from God forward. So I'm like, if you're hungry for the Lord to touch you tonight, you get up here right now. And I remember one person stood up, and I was like, the rest of you, you better get up here too. So all five came forward, and I had to pray for them and catch them. Fire. Fire. greatest days of your life the offering that night was $23 I mean you knew God was with you when you could afford Taco Bell for half of the family obviously the Lord is going to bless this and but I want to encourage you the Bible says despise not the days of small beginnings I don't know your story and I don't know where you're at in life right now but I can tell you this with absolute certainty that God did not put you on this planet to remain in small places that if you're at small places, the Bible says despise not the days of small beginnings. But if I was you, I would begin to despise a day, a lifetime of small things. Because it shows you something is missing in your life. And you can blame God, you can blame the church, you can blame leadership. But at the end of the day, you're going to have to take that finger and point it at yourself and realize, God, I put myself under the spout where the glory comes out. And I ask you to put the anointing of God upon my life and lead me in the realms that you have called me to be in. Because I know that you put me on this earth for something supernatural. If that's you, give the Lord a shout of praise. Come on, somebody. You are alive and you are well right now because the Lord handpicked you to be alive in this hour. Look at the world right now. Look at the craziness of what's happening. No generation has ever seen the things that we're looking at right now. And I will encourage you that every generation always thought it was the end of time. <laughs> I listen to Billy Graham. I listened to Billy Graham the other day and he said, 19, it was like 1915, he said, there are studies that show marijuana is giving brain damage and they estimate that 80% of the world will be in the hospital in 10 years from now without brain capacity. And I'm like, well, praise God that didn't happen. But it is bad. Paula White just literally joined together Christians in a casino in Las Vegas because the casino is allowed to operate at 50% capacity, but the church is capped at 50 people. So the casino owner said, I'll open the doors for the church, and you can come and have church in here. That's the day and age we're living in. People are trying to say the Christians just need to wait this thing out, and there's not any specific attack against you. That is, that is hell talking. It's obvious. It's blatant. It's, it's obnoxious. The devil is cackling all the way to the, to the, 
to the voting floor right now and the church is supposed to sit back and be quiet. No, the Bible says we have been key, given the keys to bind and to loose. It's an hour to bind the devil and loose the glory of the Lord on this nation. Amen. In the midst of sickness and disease, you think God wants to sit back and just wait it through? No, he wants to pour out an anointing upon this world to drive out every sickness, every plague, every disease, every cancer cell that comes against people. God is looking for someone hungry enough to say, God, here I am. Move, Lord. you got to make a decision. What side of the fence are you on? Are you on the side that says, God, I'll go preach two and a half hours of five people just as long as one of them gets a touch? And in the midst of what, what the Lord is doing here, first of all, it's, it's divine timing. Because we can prepare our hearts for God and we can stir ourselves to action. But you take the climate of what is happening in the world right now, it is a God-sent divine moment for an awakening to shake this nation one more time. I mean, I've prophesied for two years that the Lord was going to fill the stadiums of America with believers calling out to the name of the Lord and lost people getting saved. And of course, we rejoiced with the sin and we were a part of that. But right now, those stadiums are emptied because of what is happening. And I say that they're being emptied out so that they can be filled for the glory of the Lord. If you believe it, shout amen. I have prophesied for years. That this end time move of God is going to be marked by a combination of both politicians and believers, church, church people working hand in hand, fearlessly taking on darkness in the world and recognizing the threat of the enemy. His name is Satan. Amen. The natural world wants to paint you as a crazy person if you even believe in demons. Demons exist. They torment people's lives. They drive them. In. You think suicide is natural? You think your flesh wants to kill itself? Your flesh wants to live forever. So that's a demonic force that comes in people's world. And this world wants to just try and counsel it out. You cannot counsel a demon out. You cast a demon out. Somebody say amen. And man, it's just an hour. It's an hour to draw a line in the sand and say, God, you didn't put me here for small things. And I might not have been raised in church. I might be a first generation person. I may be a business owner. I may be a school teacher. I may be a politician myself. I may be a manager in a business, whatever it is. But know this, that God has positioned you there to take territory for the kingdom of God. Amen. And whatever God pours into you, make sure that you create an outlet for that to pour out of you. Amen. Pray for people. Cast the devil out of people. We're standing in a time that I believe there's a large portion in the body of Christ that are asleep at the wheel right now. It's like they don't perceive the moment that is standing before them. And so they've opted themselves out of the fight. And I think all the more reason for that is it's the time for the church and that's why I say we stand nightly not just for ourselves we're not trying to fill our building to make ourselves feel good about ourselves we're standing for the kingdom of God right now saying God even if I get weary and I get tired and I get worn out I'm standing for you God and I'm standing for the believers and my my brothers and sisters that need someone to take a stand for them to encourage them to stand up against the things going on in this world and say no devil you will not take over this nation you will not take over the church there is coming a move of God and it has already began that the enemy cannot silence any longer Amen. If you believe it, shout amen. And listen, 
the thing you got to make a decision about is are you going to be a part of what God wants to do in this moment? Or are you going to let that moment pass you by? The title of my message this morning is Revival. Is it a moment in time or a lifetime? Or is it just that God wants to breathe temporarily upon someone to make you feel good in the midst of dire circumstances? Or is it a heavenly strategy to put something on the inside of you that will carry you forward through the remainder of your life to make a difference and torment the devil everywhere he is? Come on. God doesn't want to touch you to make you feel good about yourself alone. God wants to put heavenly riches on the inside of you so that you become a force to be reckoned with. Amen? How many people realize your prayers have power? When people are like, it's come to this, we have to pray. You should have been praying the whole time. You should have been binding and loosening. There's times people, and there's times in prayers, I want you to hear this. There's, there's those relational prayers where you're just quiet and the Lord is speaking to you and there's that. But there's a place in prayer that you got to be where you're declaring and you're speaking things out loud. Where you can hear it. You can, you can feel. And if someone's around. I used to walk around my pool. And I'd stir myself up. And I'd be binding and loosening. And I remember I'd always look over. My neighbor would be trimming the things. And he'd just be looking at me. Like what are you doing right now? And I'm like I bind every devil. In you and, and I loose the glory of the Lord. And I thank you for peace in this house. And I, I'm just going for it. And I'd wave at him as I'm praying. And he's like all right. I think he started timing, trimming his bushes just so he could hear me pray. He'd come out at the same time every day. Maybe he was like, man, yeah, am I buying that thing too? I loose that thing too? What he said, ditto, God, ditto. It's like the devil wants to steal the church's voice. People, People take praise and worship. And there's times in praise and worship, I know. Where you just stop singing and the Lord touches you. But if you go through an entire worship set and you ain't screaming at the top of your lungs at one part, you got to ask yourself, why is your voice being silent right now? Why are you letting a rock cry out in your stead? You should open up your mouth and with the breath he gave you, give it back with all that you've got. Jesus! And then when it comes to prayer, you sit back and you put prayers on Facebook and things like that. But there comes a time and a place that you got to go in a closet and you got to get to the... Come on, somebody. If you ain't sweating when you come out, go back in. Amen. This generation is taught to give up the moment things get tough. We are a give up society. I got married six times, but I feel like it's number seven is going to be the one. But it just was tough, you know. It's not all it was made up to be. This person does their own thing. Yeah, they're a person. But the moment things get tough, it's like we're taught to quit, to pull back, to re-strategize and find an easy route. No, sometimes you just have to push through the hardest route and say, no, mm mm-mm. God has given me a strength on the inside, a determination to draw a line in the sand and push through and I will not be taken out. Come on, somebody. I'm stirring you up right now. The enemy's greatest strategy is to convince you to stop the fight. So many young kids are giving up their life so early right now because the devil's winning in their mind. The church has got to rise up and bind that devil of hell. People don't know who they are anymore. They don't know what's been, what's been poured on the inside of them. They don't know anything about the kingdom of God. And so we sit back. And we see the problems. And we plead, God, if there are any way that you can take me from this earth, please do so. 
But God is looking down. Is there any way that you would stir yourself to action? And release upon the earth the very thing heaven is waiting to, to pour out right now. I said, I'm looking for some men and women full of faith, full of power. To take a stand and draw a line in the sand. And launch out in the deep and never look back. Somebody shout amen. You are of that persuasion. The hand of the Lord is upon you. Most of you should be dead right now, but you're not dead. Come on, the devil tried to kill you 800 times. So many times you lost count. People sit and hear your stories and they're like, my gosh, I didn't know you could be hit by a train that many times. Oh, yeah, yeah, you can live up to five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times when your train hits you. If the Lord is with you. <laughs> been drowned, shot, stabbed, electrocuted, struck by... Kirsten's uncle's been struck by lightning three times. He's still preaching the gospel. Sometimes when he stretches his hand, it's like, yeah. That's not true, but he has been struck three times. Twice. Okay, sorry. I better not prophesy the third one. He'll really come after me. Father, I cancel the three, and I just commit to two. He's been struck by lightning twice, and we thank you, God, that that is enough. <laughs> How many people want to get struck by lightning? Nobody. How many people want to wreck cars? Nobody. How many people want to? But you've walked through so much, and the Lord's hand has been upon you. And it's like the devil tried and strategized and did everything he could to discourage you and take your life and cut it short, and yet you're still standing here and you're still breathing. That's not by mistake, people. It's because God wants to do something in you and through you. There is a call of God. If I could say that there is one message the Lord has given me, I would say that it is this. It is that I firmly, with every fiber of my being, believe that every person on this earth has a divine calling. And all of hell wants to stop it. And people will come against you and say all sorts of negative things. And you've got to say, I don't care if my family's against me. I don't care if the world's against me. I don't care if nobody likes me for it. I am looking at Jesus. And I'm going to follow him. Because he didn't put me here for small things. And he didn't make me in his image so I could be a nobody. He called me his own. He put his spirit on the inside of me. And I'm going to run my race with all that I've got until heaven. It calls me home. I believe it. So if you need a champion in your corner, just call Pastor Caleb. And I'll be like, you're called. You're anointed. You're appointed. You're the devil's worst nightmare. You're full of power. You're full of oil. You're full of grace. You're full of everything you need to be full of. And anything you need to get rid of, just go ahead and get rid of it right now. Amen. It's like people have lost the reality that God literally looks for the people nobody would choose. Think about all the people God uses. He uses just the screw-ups and the, and the has-beens and the couldn't-haves and all of those things. The Bible even talks about He doesn't use many wise people, many strong people, that basically you were ignorant, you were stupid, and you were weak. Rejoice, and you're like, I don't know if I should be excited about what the Lord is saying right now or offended. I think I'm both. <laughs> Apparently, the Lord is saying, You were a loser, you were a nobody, you were going nowhere fast, but then I saved you. Remember that moment? And you've got to acknowledge that and be like, You're absolutely right. 
I was nothing before you. Now with you, God, I can run my race. I can cast out the devil. I can lay hands on the sick, and I can prophesy, and my words carry power. Amen, somebody. Sometimes I just feel like throwing up my hands and going into the full-time ministry. Is there any other way? No, there's not. The thing that God has called you to do, you're just going to have to do it. Say, when is the moment? It's right now. Say, what does it look like? Nobody knows because you're the only one that's been called to do it. You can gain wisdom along the way of other people that have stepped out in faith, but the thing you're going to run and the thing you're going to do, nobody's done before. So it's original. Come on, somebody. You know you found what God has called you to do when you can't find anything on the earth that looks like it. Realize that's what God has called me to do. You say, what, is that? what does that mean? Are you just talking poetic? No, I'm saying literally God will put things on the inside of you that are new and fresh. God will call you. Everybody that he calls in the ministry, I've learned this about the Lord, he gives you a message. It's like every great minister of God has a message that burns in their core. And it doesn't matter if they're preaching They'll preach 7,000 messages in their life, but in the midst of all of those messages is the message God has given will always resound through it. Whether they're preaching on the blood or the Holy Spirit or salvation or baptism, what, they, what God has put in their core always echoes through them. God has given you a message. God has given you a calling. God is giving something specific to you. You do not need to steal someone else's thing. You do not need to plead for the Lord to see you because he knows who you are and he wants to use you. The thing that you're up against is the powers of darkness that have been cloaking the minds of people and blinding them to the reality of the spiritual world that we live in right now. And making you feel like it's only going to be won through natural means. I used to literally, I used to in Bible school as I got woke up to all the things going on in the world, there was like such a heaviness that came on me. I was like, God, how are we ever going to see a great awakening. There's corruption everywhere right now. Are you with me? How I many people realize this? It is corrupt all across the world. The devil has wicked people doing perverse things in places of power right now. Do you understand this? You say, no, it's just, it's just politics. It's more than that. It's demonic ticks. <laughs> That's not a word, but it worked right there. It's the devil's agenda. It's the spirit of Antichrist's agenda. Blind the church. Put you in the corner. Let perversion have its way. Celebrate sin. Get the masses to agree with it and pull them all into a screaming hell. And here's the church in the corner saying, wait, just wait, just wait. One day God's going to move and God's like, no, that day is today. And that person is you. And if that person is you, shout Amen. Come on, somebody. Do not miss the moment. This week, it's like Elijah and Elisha. When Elijah heard from the Lord to anoint Elisha, the Bible says he walked and he just threw a cloak on Elisha. And in that moment, Elijah was wise enough to perceive that this moment can change the remainder of my life. So he took his livelihood, his oxen, and his plow. He cut up the plow to start a fire and he sacrificed the oxen so as to say, I have nothing to look back to. Because the Bible says when you put your hand to the plow, do not turn and look back. Come on, somebody. 
And maybe you've done that. You started going down the journey with the Lord, but you started to, to question it and pull back and look back. But I'm here to prophesy back into you today. The same call that was originally heard is the same call that is on your life. And though you were met with opposition and though you went through a wobble, God is a God of grace. He's a God of pouring out more than enough. And a fresh anointing will come upon you in this season. And you're going to run your race with more power than you've ever ran it before. If you believe it, shout amen. Say, what about me that I've lived my life and I'm in my later years? All the more in this time to grab a hold of the promises of God. And God is going to use you in supernatural and spectacular ways. Amen. I stand here today because my grandmother prayed fervently over her grandkids that God would raise up a Pentecostal preacher. Amen. Older, still praying for me. Still calls, shaky voice. I'm just praying that the Lord would use you to shake America I love you and I'm in your corner and it's like come on grandma she didn't check out she just stepped up are you with me right now perceive the moment perceive the moment grab a hold of whatever you can grab a hold of and understand that everything God gives you is to be cherished it's to be cherished like the coat of many colors, it's to be worn. It's going to create problems. People are not going to like you. Someone might throw you in a pit. Another person might claim you did something to them. But eventually you're going to go all the way to the palace. Because if you got something from God, the world does not possess the power to stop what God has begun. Do you believe it? Shout amen. Makes you stand out. I used to tell the Lord in Bible school because I didn't feel worthy. I never felt worthy. I always felt like a screw-up. I did. And so I would look at people and I would recognize, of course you're using them. But me, on the inside, I thought I was a screw-up. God can't use me because I goof off at the wrong times. People be in service. It's like a holy moment and I'll crack a joke and people are looking at me like, don't you perceive what we're in right now? And I'm like, sorry, it just was in the moment. I thought it was funny. <laughs> my bad, dude, my bad. Yeah, yeah, the Lord is good. Close your eyes. <laughs> it's like when, when, the, when you know, you're in services and someone screams out and everybody's like, yes. I'd be the one to scream out at the wrong time and the ushers would be there like, sir, come with me. I'm just going to put you in the back room. But, 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 but they, they screamed out the last service. Yeah, but yours is awkward. <laughs> you just need to go on, get out of the service, head on down the road, Bubba. Know what I mean? <laughs> Trying to fit in. in. The world, I felt like I felt like everything I did in the world, I was just like, it's like doors were open. The moment I got saved... It was like I was the biggest screw-up that has ever... I didn't understand church. I was always in the dean's office. It's like felt like I was a kid again. Every, growing up, there was four of us. It was always two getting spanked, me and someone else. And I felt like that when I get saved. It's like the dean wants to see you again. What did I do? You know what you did. I don't know what I did. You know what you did. Get up there. It's like rebuke after rebuke, and you just feel like this big. You know what I'm saying? Anybody have this story? You've been rebuked so many times. You don't even know what exhorting is. You've not even got to that part yet. You're just still hanging out in the buke part. 
It's like the Lord has a lot to fix in you, apparently. And it hurts, man. It hurts. And you're just like, God, I know you love me, but do you like me? I mean, you made me this way, didn't you? Didn't you? Didn't you? All this is because of all you. Mike, am I the part of the, the bit left over from some great anointed person? There was like, what's that? Oh, that's Caleb. You look at someone God's using and you're like, of course. <laughs> Their very words hang in the air like powerful, just missiles shooting to the heart. I get up and say something and turn to my wife and say, what, what did you think? She's like, I don't know, I wasn't really paying attention. The other night, I said something before Charlie got up. I was like, babe, what did you think? She was like, oh, you said something? I just... I'm just teasing. My wife is my champion in my corner. She's a great woman of God. <laughs> I graduated Bible school, and I didn't know. I really did not know this. But they literally had like a, a bet, most likely to do nothing. And it was me. No, they, they created an award, most eligible bachelor of Bible school, and all my friends won it. And then everybody was secretly saying, don't marry Caleb because he's a screw-up and he's not going to go anywhere. And then I got the senior pastor's daughter, so put that in your pipe and smoke it. The sister and me got the same flow going right now. Touch not the Lord's anointed. I've seen your wife. Good luck. <laughs> we know who's anointed and who's not now, don't we? <laughs> I mean, it's not a competition, but if it was... take you from your low moments <laughs> and in those low moments here's the thing it's a test of the heart you know everybody champions David but you realize David was anointed to be king and had to wait 23 more years before he ever was king that's hard to wait and in the midst of that, it's not like 23 years of everybody being on your side. It's 23 years of some people saying, David's going to be king. And then other people trying to kill you. Other people mocking you. There was even times when his own people tried to kill him because they were angry at him. And he had to cry out to the Lord in the midst of that. 
You think it's all about high moments? No, it's about what you do in the moments that count. Right now, there's a moment that counts in America when all hell is trying to break loose and oppress the church. This is the moment to find out what is on the inside of you. You don't wait till it passes by and then say, yeah, I knew it was going to be okay. You stand in this moment and you look that devil in the eye and say, you lying, stinking devil of hell. You are not going to touch my house. You're not going to touch my bank account. You're not going to touch the church. You're not going to touch my city. You're not going to touch my state. You're not going to touch this nation. You are rebuked in the name of Jesus. You say, well, who gives you the authority? The only one that matters gives me the authority. Jesus Christ. It's day and age, man. I love it. I love, I love it that how polarized it's getting, really. It's like you don't really even need discernment anymore. <laughs> devil, Christian, devil, Christian. I mean, honestly, it's like you don't really need to pray it through. You're like, yep, okay, well, we can get you free or you can live like that. But I, there's nothing in me that bears witness with what you're saying right now <laughs> at all. I can't even, I don't even know how you got there. Maybe I'm saying too much this morning. But this, this generation struggles with identity. We struggle with figuring out what matters. Is it the identity the world gives you or the identity that God gives you? We're constantly vacillating between the two, trying to gain popularity and influence with man, but remain submitted to God. And you're going to have to find out along the way that the only thing that matters is this way. And if the whole world be against you, but God be for you, they cannot stop you. But if the whole world is for you, but God is against you, you are going nowhere. Are you with me right now? And nowhere, nowhere you want to be anyways. So you have to make it, you have to figure out in this moment, what am I going to live for? Is this just a moment where I'm going to feel good for a week? Or is this something that's going to penetrate my spirit? And from this day forward, my life is going to be different in the name of Jesus. Come on now, somebody. It's time to step up. It's time to come out fighting. Amen? <laughs> come on, we have a saying in Tennessee. <laughs> I'm not going to say it because it's not nice. But ultimately, the moral of the story is this. If you can't win by uh, honest means, then you cheat to win, you know? And in this moment, you take every weapon that is available to you to beat the devil back, is what I'm saying. Come out swinging, baby. And how many people in here have been, you've been through some low moments in life? I mean, how many people have, have taken a hit in life? It's like, man, you trusted the Lord, you went out there, and you still trust God, but you have been hit, beat up, knocked around, Mack trucks from hell. Don't let all of that be the thing that stops you. Let all of that be the fuel to keep burning your fire and say, because you did that, because the enemy tried to pick on me there, because you touched my family, because you touched my kids, because you hit this person, because you struck me there, I'm coming more than I was ever going to come before. You barked up the wrong tree, and I'm coming with all that I've got, and all of heaven is coming with me. Jesus! The Bible says in Ephesians 
Paul saying, therefore, I'm a prisoner for serving the Lord. I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. What does that mean? It means God called every person, like I said, with something incredible, something holy, something only he could speak out and only he could give you. And that calling is the most precious thing. And in that calling is your true identity. In the Bible, I remember when I first got saved, I read that scripture that says there's a rock uh, with your name written on it. That nobody knows that name except for you and the Lord. And when I read that, I mean, I was like, what? What? What is my name? I mean, I'm like fasting for weeks. God, is it Jeremy? Is it David? Is it Hezekiah? Is it Ramon? Is it Felipe? I wanted to know that name so bad. I got, this is true, I got paper out and I closed my eyes and tried to write to see if a name appeared. I was like that desperate to find out the name. I'm fasting. The Lord says, your name's Caleb. I was like, everybody knows that. He's like, do you know that? So what do you mean? He said, Caleb had a different spirit. Caleb was someone that believed me against all odds. This is right when I got saved. This is right when I'm going after the Lord. And this is right when I figure out that's it then, Lord. If Caleb can slay giants at 85, I'm going to run my race. And if the Lord tarries at 85, I'm going to be strong as an ox and still tearing down the devil's kingdom. Somebody shout amen. But what is it really about? Is it about a name? Or is it that in that name is actually identity? That's what he's talking about there. He's saying that God has something for you that no person on this earth knows it. The only thing a prophet could do is confirm to you what God first releases to you. Are you with me right now? Somebody better grab this right now. Say, what am I doing in these meetings night after night? What am I doing in this church week in and week out? What is happening in the world today? It is that God is calling people out of darkness into his glorious light. And in that calling, it's not just a calling out of sin. It's not just a calling out of bondage. It's a calling into glory. It's a calling into power. It's a calling into an anointing. And it's a calling into something that God wants birthed on the nations of the world right now. And you've got to hear that thing. You've got to respond to that thing. You've got to awaken and say, God, I perceive the moment. And if you give me a cloak, I will give you my life. That's what it's about. Do you know that this world is literally ran by a small percentage of people? How many people realize that? They say it, like 3% of the world runs 97% of the world. Anybody ever heard that before? Something like that, or it's the 95 and the 5, whatever it is. You know why it's that way? It's because literally a small percentage of people actually believe that they have the right to influence people's lives. And so whether it's good or bad, wicked people are influencing and perverting people's lives because they feel they have a right to do it. Look at Hollywood. Look at the perversion that they pump out. Look at all the sick things that have gone on decades and decades in that place, destroying people's lives and standing up there smiling, acting like there's something special because they feel they have a right to do it. No, no let me tell you something. If anybody has a right to influence the world, it's you. 
because you love Jesus, because your heart is pure. You're not filled with hatred. You're not filled with perversion. You're not manipulating people for personal gain. Come on, are you with me right now? You're not trying to fabricate a lie to promote yourself. You are living with your life submitted to Christ, and you live every day for Him, and you go and check yourself before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are constantly saying, Lord, examine my heart. So if there's anybody that has the right to stand up and influence, it is the body of Christ. And you can't see the attack. There's an attack to silence the church right now. Why? Because if the enemy can silence the influence that we bring, then hell can go unchecked. Why do you think tribulation is so bad? Because the church is going to exit the premises for a while. And the devil will have no one to check him at the door. And he will get his way and he will do all sorts of perverse things. But we're not waiting for that day. Until that day comes, we fight with all that we are. We take territory. We change lives around. We get them saved, baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost. Come on. And turned around. We pray for them. They get healed. We pray for them. They start seeing. We pray for them. They start hearing. The world is not ran by pew sitters. And a good friend of mine, pastors in St. Louis, agreed with me. He said, you know, this final move, and I've said it before too, is going to be marked by people in the pews carrying the supernatural power of God. You believe that? It cannot be held by America's celebrity preachers. I would say, I mean, more than ever, the celebrity preachers are, are the ones that are doing nothing right now. And you may not like what I'm saying, but it's just the truth. You can't turn the world around just by an online broadcast. You got to be out there taking territory day to day. Amen. And it's almost like the ones that built their own kingdoms and big names. They were the ones targeted and the ones that just kept their eyes on the Lord and didn't care about how big they got. It's like they've been able to fly under the radar in some, some capacity right now. But beyond that, I want you to realize something. That the enemy can always target a person in ministry as a leader. Because they're, they're a public target. But he can never silence the church. He can't target all of you. You realize the devil is not like our God. Our God is everywhere at all times, all seeing, all knowing. The devil is not that way. He only knows what he sees and what is reported back to him. So he can see people moving, and that's why when you begin to move and do something for God, then opposition comes. But let me tell you something. Hell was always around in your life. It's just now it's being exposed for you to deal with and keep moving forward. Amen? Do not be discouraged just because opposition broke out the moment you stepped out in faith. You just finally got the attention of the Lord of Flies, the ugly one himself. But when an army arrives full of faith when everybody in here knows how to lay hands on the sick when everybody in here knows how to preach the gospel then how do you shut that thing down take the same principle with riots if just enough of us stand up they cannot throw us all in prison and thank God that we live in Florida right now thank God that our governor said that we are exempt that we are essential services thank the Lord for Governor DeSantis he has taken heat in the state of Florida right now and he's stayed his ground so I pray the blessing of God be upon him and Lord encourage him even now. 
encouraging. That's not happening everywhere right now. There are people literally taking this chance to silence the church, to shut them down. Right now, this Sunday, a brother standing in California and that the first thousand people are all supposed to be uh, uh, arrested for misdemeanors and fined a thousand dollars. So he put on Facebook last night saying, I'm not going to back down. Pray with me that more people would show up than a thousand so that they can't arrest us all. I pray tens of thousands showed up in there. I pray that the army of the Lord arises in this hour. I pray that those that are called by God would hear that calling and respond to that voice. The only voice that matters, the voice of many waters, the voice of truth. It's not about rebellion. The only one rebelling is hell right now, rebelling against what God wants done. And we have got to take a stand and say, not on our watch. You're called. Say, I'm called. You're special to God. Even if you're not special to the people that run the Bible college. <laughs> Even if you're the most overlooked person in the room. You've met someone eight times and they still don't remember your name. Don't be discouraged. God can take boring people and make them interesting. God can take quiet people and make them shouters. God can take shouters and make them quiet. Come on, somebody. The Bible says that when David was anointed, it was like he was a new man. It's like God made him a new man when the anointing came upon him. It's like here's David, worshiper, loves God. Then the anointing comes and it's David, sword in hand, take him out. God is with us. We will not back down. Amen. Is that you? Are you called? How many people in here would say that you know what God has called you to do? Raise your hands. Praise the Lord for that. Father, I thank you for those callings. Keep your hands up right now. I thank you that those callings were heard from hearts that were pure and open. And Lord, some of them have stepped maturely into that and, and seen the small things begin to be big things. Some are standing at the door trying to figure out, how do I step through this door? And Father, I thank you that once the call comes, the supernatural gift of faith upon them rests upon them to keep them moving forward and even doing the impossible as though it was normal. As though it was not even hard to do, God. I thank you for the peace of heaven upon them, Lord. And Father, every lie and every discouragement that has come against them, I break that lie and I speak out over them that the Lord is with you. The Lord is for you. The Lord will cause His face to shine upon you. He will pour the oil of joy upon you. He will place a brand new garment, a robe of righteousness, a coat of many colors to, 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 to exalt you because the Word says He will exalt you in due season. Father, we thank you that those that have taken a stand, that have heard your voice and stepped out, Lord, that you will continue to lead them forward, that the enemy will not be able to stop or silence their voice, that everything heaven has called for them to accomplish, Lord, they will accomplish it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. No, no power on this earth can stop what you have called them to do, for your word says you are faithful, faithful to complete that which you begin in us, God. You're the faithful one. You're the faithful one. We keep our eyes on you. We forget the power 
fast. We keep our eyes on the prize and we run our race to you, God. And we thank you, Lord, that as many days as we have left will be days marked by making a difference in this world with the calling that God has placed upon my life. I shake off all the identity that this world has tried to give me. I shake off all the lies that people have spoken over me. I shake off all the junk that has tried to build up on the inside of me. I shake it off like Paul shook the snake off. Its venom will not poison my veins for the blood of Christ runs through my body. I am called. I am sent. I am anointed and I will run my race until heaven calls me home. In Jesus name. Thank you God. Thank you God. And those of you that don't know what you're called to do then do like I did and decide that whatever it costs and however long it takes that discovering that calling is exactly what you want to devote your life to. Young and old, run after the things of God. And He will meet you there for it's a spiritual law. The closer you draw to Christ, the closer He will draw to you. Are you with me right now? How close can you get? Come on, somebody. How, how fast can you get there? Amen? you got to be so hungry for God, you're willing to trip your best friend to get to the prayer line first. Thanks for listening to the River Claremont Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in seeing lives touched and changed by the love and power of Jesus, you can give online at www.riverclaremont.com. Your prayers and financial support are changing lives. Thank you.